I told the the first service this, yeah, we have, I, I think we have the best group of music leaders that, that I know of, and I'm so grateful for them, and they do a great job. So they just they just do such a great job of leading us and, and trying to get us prepared to, to hear what God would have to say to us. Uh, I've always been fascinated by, by family history. And I always like to try to figure out, you know, what, you know, where my family's from and, 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 and find out about the people who preceded me because I like to know that, you know, that I'm a part of something that is, you know, that's bigger than myself. And so uh, I have to have a reference point. We all do. If you're going to try to find out more about your family, you have to have a reference point. For most of us, that reference point is our last name. And so what I've done over the past uh, number of years is I got my last name, and I went on to Ancestry.com, and I started looking up and trying to find out you know, just some of my family tree. And I've de- discovered some interesting things as I've, as I've gone through my family tree. A couple little interesting notes that really aren't going to interest you if they do me, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, one of the things that I think is really neat is that our family, I found out that our family's from the English, an English-Welsh border town uh, called East Hope. And, of course, that's where uh, it looks like that we got our name Estep from. And then the other neat thing that I found out was that the very first Estep that came to America was a 16-year-old boy named Richard uh, who came over here because his dad had died and uh, needed to make a living. And so he came here as an indentured servant. And so back in the 1680s, and I was like, well, that's really, that's really cool. Well, today we are continuing our series, The Names of God. And I really think that it's important for us to look into Scripture, to look at some of the names of God, because as we have an understanding of the names of God, then I believe that we have a better picture and a better idea of who our God is. Now, before we go on, I, I want to I clarify something. And I just want to let you know that the names that we are looking at about our God are names that come from Scripture. And the reason why is because there are, there are many people who believe, well, it doesn't matter what religion you are, we all end up praying to the same God anyway. And whenever you look in Scripture, I want you to know that is absolutely not, is, that is not what Scripture teaches. Um, Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see God calling a man named Moses to lead the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity. Uh, this would have been thousands and thousands of people. And so God gives this instruction to Moses. Now, I know for me that if somebody calls me to do some huge task like Moses got, one of the first questions I'm going to ask is, well, who are you? You know, who are you to tell me to do something like that? I'd like to know a little bit more information about you before I do this. And this is where God tells, he tells Moses who he is. He tells him that he is Yahweh. And that is the name that we are going to be looking at today as we discuss the names of God. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 1. Last few weeks we've been in the book of Genesis. And so what you can do is you can just turn one book over and you're going to hit Exodus. So Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. And as you might be looking that up, I just want to give you a little background information. If you look in your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there are times when you will see the name Lord, um, L-O-R-D. They're all in capital letters. You might know, what's, what's the deal with that? 
Well, whenever it's like that, that is because the name that's being used for Lord there is the name Yahweh. And that, it was a, it's a very significant name for our God. Uh, it's a name that is held in with, with great esteem and reverence, especially in the Jewish community. Uh, whenever the scribes were writing down the Old Testament, every time, this name is, by the way, it's written down 6,000 times in the Old Testament. Every time the scribes would write down this name, they would write the name Yahweh, they would get up and they would go take a bath. And they would clean themselves off, and then they'd go back in, they would take the pen that they'd used to write the name, and they would destroy it. Now, can you imagine doing that 6,000 times? I mean, this is a name that was held with great honor, respect, and esteem. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the Jewish faith, back in, in the uh, Old Testament days, they would only mention this name, they'd only say it out loud one time a year. And only one person would say this name out loud, and that was the high priest. He would only say it once a year on the Day of Atonement inside the temple. And so I'm, I'm sharing this with you to let you know that this is, I mean, this is a significant name. It's a name that was held with respect. But the name is used in our text today. And so what we're going to do is we'll say, well, okay, the name Yahweh, what does it mean? How does this name uh, demonstrate significance for us in our lives? And so today what I want us to do is I just want us to see how the name Yahweh reveals certain things about our God that helps us understand Him better. And the first thing that the name Yahweh reveals about our God, the very first thing, is it reveals to us He is personal. That name reveals to us that God is personal. Now look with me back in uh, verse number 1. It says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. Are you all familiar with the story? You know, the story of the burning bush. All right. It says, So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. That's really significant, uh, a few verses. And, and one reason why, is I, as I looked at it, I, I think it's amazing that God would have any inkling of an idea of who any of us are. And just from a personal, I mean, just from a human perspective, y'all, there are a lot of people on this planet. There's over 7 billion people in our world. And, I, and just from the human perspective, I, I think about God. And I mean, how in the world is God supposed to keep track, you know, of 7 billion people? And I think, why in the world would God even know who I am? I mean, that, that's, there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. But whenever I look into the Bible, what I discover is that God does not look at us as just being one of a mass of people. God looks at us in a very personal way. And you see this in our text. In our text, there's Moses. He's out tending, uh, tending a flock of sheep, which would have been very common in this area. And as he's tending sheep, he looks over and he notices that there is a bush that's on fire. Now, I would think that in the Middle East, that this would not be all that uncommon, that there would be some fires every once in a while. If you've ever been to the Middle East, one thing that I can tell you about it is it's kind of hot. You know, it's just a hot place, and every once in a while, stuff catches on fire. 
And so one of the things that happens, the bush catches on fire, but it's different because this bush is not being consumed by the fire. And so Moses is like, well, that's weird. And so he walks over, and he's looking at it, and as he's looking at it, God calls out to him. And what does God say? Y'all remember? He calls him Moses. Now, that's significant to me. I look at that, and I think, he didn't say, hey, you. Or, hey, guy, one of many people. He calls him by his name. And it just is a reminder to me, this is the first time in Scripture that the name Yahweh is ever mentioned. And it's during this time that that Yahweh, this great name of reverence, that God calls out Moses by his name. There's times in, in all of our lives whenever we can feel lonely. I've talked to, y'all, I've talked to, a lot of people, I mean, just in our church, who've experienced a lot of very difficult things in life. I've talked to people whose marriages are a wreck, and therefore the people I talk to emotionally, they're a wreck, they're struggling. i talked to a lot of people, especially in recent years, who they're, they're, all of their identity is wrapped up in their job. And then as the economy's gone south and some people have been laid off, I, they don't know what to do. They've lost, in a sense, they've lost their identity. And so it's, it's at times like this when people feel immensely lonely. And you can begin to wonder, does God even know what's going on in my life? Does God have a clue about the struggles that I have in my life? And I understand that, but then I look at a text like ours today, and I see this man named Moses, who, by the way, was actually in exile. He had been for a number of years. If you remember, uh, do you all remember who Moses' stepmother was? I know this is like Trivial Pursuit. But who's Moses' stepmother? Does anybody remember? It's Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh, the, the, the world power, the, the lead, really the, the most powerful man in the world, his daughter was Moses' mother. Moses had, had uh, made a major mistake in his life. He, he committed murder. And he ends up having to run away, leave his country, and he goes into exile. And here he is, he's all alone. Things aren't turning out like he thought they would in his own life. He's lonely, and yet God calls him by name. There is something special about hearing somebody call your name when you're in a vulnerable spot. And let me try to give you an example. A few weeks ago, we went to Haiti. We had 15 people from our church go to Haiti. Had a great trip, worked at Alex's house ministry, did a lot of good work. But if you've never been to Haiti before, whenever you get there, it is a different place. Y'all, did y'all know Haiti is not anything like Blythewood? Just, that might not be news to you. It's nothing like Blythewood. You, you fly into Haiti, there's a mass of people there. They don't speak, they don't speak our language um, and so you get there, there's people that, that, that rush towards you trying to get your luggage, right, Lydia? By the way, y'all, I just want to point this out. Lydia Carpenter's, Lydia, why don't you just slip up your hand? Lydia's right here. She, she went to Haiti with us, and the uh, first day we got there, they lost her luggage, uh, which is fantastic. She actually just got it back a couple of days ago. Lydia wore the same clothes every day when we were in Haiti. So I just want to point that out to y'all. So uh, anyway... Uh, uh, and she, she, she smelled great though. But, uh, so we, so we're over there in Haiti, you know, everything's different. You're over there, uh, and, and there's this, it is a, it is just so, it's a mass. I can't, I just can't explain. She's a mass of people. 
and it's very different, and it can cause a little bit of anxiety if you've never been before, and it can make you feel a little bit nervous. And so we, we, we get there, and we get the airport, I'm walking out, and then I hear somebody calling my name. Eric! Calls it twice. And I immediately relaxed when I heard my name. You know why? Because the guy who's calling my name is the guy who lives there, and he knows how to get around Haiti. Believe me, if it was all dependent upon me, we ain't making it. You know, we're not getting anywhere. And so when I heard my name, I relaxed because I knew that there was somebody there who was watching out for me, somebody there who was going to be my guide. Now, like Moses, you may feel like that you're in a desert right now. And you may feel like that, you know, you're, you're, you're stressed out, you're a little bit anxious, you feel like everything around you is dried out, and there's absolutely you know, nothing that can provide you with life, and you're lonely. Good news for you. God knows you. God knows you. God knows exactly who you are. He hasn't forgotten you, even whenever you were going through, through struggles in your life, and you're lonely. Jesus tells us throughout Scripture, I came here in order to quench the thirst that you have in your life. Remember the story of the lady at the well, the woman at the well? Jesus came to her, and he told her some really interesting things. He said to her in John four thirteen and 14, Everyone who drinks this water, this literal water, he said, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will become in him a spring of water that will well up to eternal life. The point Jesus was making to this lady is as you seek after all this junk in your life to, to fulfill you and to make you feel like you're whole, he said, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're still going to be thirsty because this world does not satisfy. This world is not going to quench your thirst. Jesus saying, you come to me, Jesus said, I'm the one who can quench your thirst. I'm the one who can, who can give you hope in life. I'm the one who can satisfy and I, and I really think that one thing I, I like about this, this scripture is that I discover our God is a personal God. And he's letting us know, I have a map for your life. I have a route that I want you to follow. And as you follow out the path that I have for your life, Jesus tells us all throughout scripture, I can, I can quench your thirst. I mean, what, what does the name Yahweh, what, how, what, how does it demonstrate anything to us? The very first thing I see is that when his name is mentioned, God is letting us know, I am a personal God. I'm very personal, and I can quench your thirst. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what does the name Yahweh reveal about our God? He's personal. And here's another one. I think this one's really important. The name Yahweh also reveals that our God is holy. And this, this is something for, you know, for me that's really important. It is so important for me to be reminded that my God is a holy God. If you look at verse number 5, this is what God said to Moses. He sees the burning bush, and then God says, Do not come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, it is an awesome thing to discover that God is a personal God. I mean, think about what God wants us to do. God wants us to talk to him. Did y'all know that? He, we do that by praying. God wants us to listen to him. How does God speak to us in general? Through Scripture. God wants us to hear what he has to say. He wants us, when we make decisions in life, God desires for us to personally go to him 
and to talk to him so that he can give us guidance and direction in life. And I, I, I just look at that and I think, that is really neat. But as cool as that is, we have to be careful that we don't get so familiar with our God that we just look at him like he's our next door neighbor and we get real casual with him and we don't hold him with high esteem and honor. Folks, we need to understand the name Yahweh, it reveals God's personal, but God is holy. He is righteous. That name holy, it means sacred. It means set apart. God gave Moses a very personal invitation. He basically said, hey, come to me. He's got this burning bush. Come to me. Moses begins to approach God, but as he approaches God, you look at the scripture, God tells Moses, oh, there get a little too close. Be a little too casual. He says that you're, you're entering into holy territory. And you, you remember, what, what does he tell Moses as he's getting close? He tells him to stop. What's he supposed to do? He'd take your shoes off. Anyway, why is he supposed to take his shoes off? Yeah, it's just, as far as... Uh, you know, as far as history goes, this was very common. Whenever you entered into, into something that was considered to be sacred and holy, you would take your shoes off. It was a sign of humbling yourself. It was a sign of recognizing that there is someone who is bigger and greater than you are. Uh, you, the, the sign for Moses and, and taking his shoes off, it was a sign of him like kicking off the sin of his life and trying to come before God in, in humility and with a clean heart. And I looked at that and I thought, you know what, man, I need to be reminded that when I enter to the presence of God, that I need to remember who he is. God, while he is loving and he is, he sticks closer to me than a brother, y'all, he is not, he's not my buddy. I mean, you know, I mean, he's my friend, but he is more than just some other guy. God is creator. God is the one who holds my eternity in his hands. And if y'all heard the statement, yeah, I, mean, I know you have, the, the statement familiarity breeds contempt. That is very easy to happen concerning our relationship with God. We can become so familiar with our God that we lose sight of his majesty. And we lose sight of his power. I read a story in Guidepost magazine about a nursing student. She was taking a test, doing real well on the test. She came to the last question on the test. And it said, the professor asked the question, tell me the first name of the lady who cleans the school. And she looked at it and she was like, well, that's bizarre. And, uh, she, said, you know, I seen, and she said, I, I saw the lady all the time. I'd say hello to her. She said, I had no idea what her name was. See, I never asked her, so I just, I just left the question blank. After the test was over, she said, I went to the principal, I mean to the principal, I went to the uh, professor and said, is that like seriously going to be like a question that counts on our test? He said, absolutely. He said, I, I want to remind everybody that every person you come into contact with is important. And he said it's important that we don't just pass over people and not think much about them. We don't want to lose sight of them, and we don't want to take them for granted. And I, I, I read that story, and I thought, man, that the same thing is true concerning my relationship 
with God. Ever so often, we need to take a trip back and begin to think about who our God is. Who is our God? He is creator. Who is our God? He's the one who has provided us with the opportunity to have life eternal. Now, in light of that, how do you approach God? Now, look at Moses. How did Moses approach God? He approached him with reverence. How do you approach God? And I, I start thinking, I said, there's so many times when I approach God, I approach him with demands without ever approaching him as a God who is holy and righteous. What does the name Yahweh reveal about our God? He's personal. He's holy. Here's the third thing I want you to see. The third thing the name Yahweh reveals about our God is he is our redeemer. Now, just a little side note here. Normally, I have three points. Y'all, we're not done yet. I got four today. So, y'all just say, we're not at quitting time yet. We're going to be okay on time, but I just wanted to let y'all know, so don't start packing up yet. Okay, so he is our redeemer. Uh, Look with me in verse number 7. It says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors, and I know about their sufferings. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing of milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the Israelites cry for help, has come to me, and I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now years before, God had made a covenant with the people of Israel, and he made it with Abraham. And he told Abraham back in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And, and what, y'all remember, what, what did God promise Abraham? So I'll make you into a great nation. He said, You will have a child. Y'all, Abraham, you think Strom Thurmond was old when he had a kid? Abraham takes the cake. Abraham has a kid when he's 100 years old. And God says, I will make a great nation out of you. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God did it. God told Abraham, I'll make a great nation out of you. Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. Isaac had, uh, had a son. And through his family... The family of Jacob came the nation of Israel. Everything's looking really good. And then they end up as slaves in the land of Egypt. And it looks like God's purposes are going to be thwarted. It looks like God has messed up. But let me tell you some good news. When God makes a promise, God keeps his promises. Now remember, Egypt's the world power of the day. They are the superpower. And God allows this to happen so that God can show the world there is no one who can thwart my plans. The people of Israel, they are in bondage. I mean, they're literally in bondage. And God tells them right here in our text today, he says, I am your redeemer. He says, I am Yahweh. I'm the one who can break the chains that are binding you in life. He says, I will be your rescuer. Now, that's a word I think we all need to hear today, because there are some of us who are in bondage today. There are some of you who are in bondage because of bad choices that you made in your life. I know some people who are in bondage with pornography. I know people who are in bondage financially. There are people who are in bondage in relationships. Some of you are in bondage because of decisions you never made. You're in bondage because of 
uh, because of poor health, something that you, had nothing to do with you. Others of you are in bondage because of what other people have done to you. Let me share with you something. I don't, it does not matter what kind of bondage you are in today. Our God has the ability to give you freedom. He's the ability to free you. Do you understand that you have the, the power through Jesus Christ to break free from the chains of sin? In Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, here's my question. Do you want freedom? Do you desire to, do you desire to break free from the stuff that weighs you down in life, that controls you? You can, as you are obedient to the leadership of Jesus. So you follow his directions. I'll try to give you an example. Um, I used to live on the other side of Blythewood on Loner Road. And uh, when I lived on Loner Road, I used, to, I used to, my neighbor and his family had like 400 acres. And I used to like to walk across the street and go hunting. And so I'd go over there and have a great time. But I mean, I hadn't been on all this property. So I said, I'm going to scout this property out. So I went over there and I started walking around all through the woods. And it's beautiful. You go down, there's hardwoods at the bottom of this property. And I was walking around and I looked at my watch. I was like, I need to get back because it's going to get dark pretty soon. And so as I'm walking back, I pass by this creek and the beautiful creek there. So I walk by the creek and I keep walking. And then I, I walk by a creek and I keep walking. And I walk by a creek and I'm thinking, dude, this creek is everywhere. And what I noticed is really what was going on, and it's, it's unreal. I was walking in a circle, and I could not figure it out. And I was like, this is absolutely stupid. And I kept walking in a circle, and then I started thinking, y'all, my, one of my great fears in life is that I'm going to die in a stupid way. And so I, I'm serious. And I started thinking, I am going to die of exposure across the street from my house. And how stupid is that going to be? And so, and I, and I had my cell phone, and I very easily could have called Emily. And I was like, there is no way I'm calling my wife to just, like, admit I'm lost across the street. And so I'm just walking, and I said, I was like, I'm praying, oh, God, help me to get out of here. And so I start looking for, and, the, you know, the trees are tall. It's hard to find a reference point. And, uh, and so I start looking for the sun. And I'm like, you know, if I can find the sun, I can find my way home, because I knew, you know, I, I, I know what direction the sun comes up and where it goes down. And so I finally found the sun, and it became my reference point. And I'm like, after an hour and a half, I finally, I walk out. I'm able to get to the road. I'm a mile down the road from my house. But I end up getting out. Now, what happens, I, I was able to use the sun as a reference point, and, it, and it, got, it got me home. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of us, we need to begin to use the sun, with an O, as our reference point. Because as we use Jesus as our reference point in life, he's going to be able to guide us you know, so to speak, through the jungle of this life. Now, God was telling Moses to make him his reference point. He said, if you make me your reference point, I can lead you to freedom. God, guys, let me tell you something. I am more and more aware that there are so many people who are in slavery today. They're in slavery to addictions. They're in slavery to, I mean, just the stupid choices they make. And I'm right there with you. They are in slavery financially. There are so many people who need freedom. And the only way you're going to find it is through the one who says he can be your redeemer. Now, what does the name Yahweh reveal about our God? He's personal. 
He's holy. He's our redeemer. It's the last one I want you to see. The name Yahweh reveals us about our God. It's kind of a strange one. But he is active in the present. What the name Yahweh reveals is that he is active in the present. I'll explain this to you, but I want you to look with me in verse 11. It says, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he answered, I'll certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I've sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. And then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? Now, what should I tell him? Here's what God said. He said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God isn't just a personal God. God is a present God. He is a God of the present. Now, Moses is trying to bail out on God and what God wants him to do. Think about this. And this is really just sort of intriguing to me. God tells Moses, he says, I want you... Remember what Moses does for a living? He's a shepherd. He wants, I want you, a shepherd, to go to the, the, king, you know, the king of the world. You know, the, the king of the most mighty nation in the world. I want you to go to him and say, hey, you have a bunch of slaves? Let them go. Now, does that sound, is that intimidating? I mean, we're so used to reading this story. You go, yeah, I, yeah, that makes sense. Think about it. This is just some yahoo who's living in Midian. And he's going to go to the king and say, you got a bunch of slaves, and you're supposed to let them go. Now, do you understand why Moses is a little intimidated by this task? And Moses does exactly what I think every one of us is going to do. He says, why is anybody going to believe me? Why is Pharaoh going to say, man, I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to let him go. He's like, I mean, God, by what authority am I speaking because Moses knows if I'm going to do this, he's thinking, I better have a big God, or otherwise I'm going to look stupid, and he's probably going to kill me on the spot. How does God respond to him? God tells him, he says, you tell them this, tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. This is where the name Yahweh comes from. In that name, I want you to notice this. He did not say, tell him, I was sent you. He did not say, I am going to be sent you. He said, I am sent. What does that mean? God is saying, I am not a God who is just powerful in the past. I'm not a God who's just a, a, a note in history. I am present and I am active today. You tell Pharaoh, you tell the Hebrew people that I am is coming. Moses he said, I better have a big God. Let me tell you something. Moses has a big God. And we need to understand today that we have that same God. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God you read about in the Old Testament, the stuff that happens in this book, is the same God that we worship today. We don't worship I was. We worship I am. We worship a God who is present and active today. And God still calls us to a big task today. God has a calling for this church that is a big task. And it is to make a difference where we live for Jesus. It is to see our community transformed 
by our living because the power of Jesus is within us. Man, God's called us to live for God. God has called you men to lead your families to discover Jesus. He's called us to lead our children so that our children can become a force in the schools where they go. Our calling is to live for Jesus so that our community can see that when people live for God, that it means something. That it matters. That when we live for God, that it makes a difference. And they need to see us being active in our community. Not just talking about the past, being active today, just like our God is an active God. He lives today. Now, how does the name Yahweh, what does it reveal about our, our God? He's, he's personal, he's holy, he's redeemer, and he is active in the present. What does that mean for us? Guys, it means that we don't have to live with fear. Because we serve a God who holds eternity in his hand. And he knows you. And he has a plan for you. And he's a plan for this church. And folks, our, our, the plan God has for this church, he has for your life, is for you very simply to live for Jesus and to be sold out to him. And as you live for him, this town, our neighbors, our families, they are going to see God. And when people see God, they will be transformed.